We are back for another Wednesday, and we're in the book of Joshua. Today's December 6th, 2023, and we're at Joshua chapter 4. And the title of this one is The the Stones of Witness. Now, last week, we uh, were in three, and we were talking about how the nation of Israel was preparing uh, to go into the Jordan, and they were actually going through the process of going through. The Ark of the Covenant has gone down into the river, has separated the waters, and held the water back, and the people were able to go on through. Uh, So when we left off last week, uh, the water was standing up, and... Now, when we get to 4, it says, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priests feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Now, if you look at where, we know that they end up in Gilgal, and that is the place where they lodge. From what I understand, Gilgal was just a couple miles away from Jericho, But Jericho, I think, was 10 miles away from where they crossed. Does that sound right? Does anybody know anything different on that? But that's just what, from what the research I was doing on it, that Jericho would have been 10 miles away. So that means they would have had to carry those big stones 8 miles if the location of Gilgal is accurate from what I was reading. So just imagine picking up a big rock out of that river and carrying it eight miles. Wow. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel." So how many stones are they going to pick up? Twelve. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Now, they were really into uh, building altars, uh, making memorials, and here's just another case of it right here. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan 
as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan. Why? I mean, here, here we're talking about the Lord told him to get men, one man from each tribe, you're going to take a stone from out of the Jordan where the water has stood back. So there's rocks down in the bed of the river. You're going to, each person's going to pick one up. They're going to carry them out. And he, they're going to uh, pile them up at Gilgal. But when you start reading verse 9, it says, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan. We don't hear anything about God telling him, to, to get 12 men from the tribes to, to uh, take up stones to put in the river bed. It just says that Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. So does that mean that they're there right now in that same spot? It says right here, to this day. Now, some people will say, well, when it was written, when this book of Joshua was written, it was that way until that day. But I think they're probably still there. And I'm just wondering if anybody's ever gone out there to look at them. So just in case you didn't hear that, uh, that was that flood stage. And, you know, and when it went back down to normal stage, would you be able to see those rocks sticking out of the water in that place? Um, don't know. And I think that they were underwater the whole time, that would be my guess. And I think that because of the symbolism of what it means to put those, those rocks in the river, to be completely covered over by the water that returned, and to be down underneath, like, like a person being baptized, they are to be totally submerged under. Now the old man stays down in the water and dies, but the new man, new person, gets pulled up out of that. Old things, what is the famous Bible verse? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, oh, that, that, that is a picture of you know, what we're seeing right here and these stones being erected over in Gilgal, that is, and it's for a memorial. And, and they, are to, they are to look at that and be reminded of what it means. Now, we today as Christians, we have two ordinances that we are supposed to keep for a memorial. And that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we just had the Lord's Supper this past Sunday, and that is something that we're told to do for others to see it. We want others to see us coming together and taking of the bread and of the juice, which is the, the, the blood of Jesus, the, the blood of the grapes, we're, and that is a memorial for what Jesus did for us, and the baptism is something that we do to show everybody else. It's not it doesn't save us. You know, you can't get saved. You can't just grab somebody and say, hey, do you want to get saved? 
uh, let's go down to the river and dunk you under and baptize you, then you'll be saved. Well, that doesn't work. But if a person has a born-again experience, then they are instructed to get baptized in water and then to start taking communion. Okay, those are the two ordinances, and it's for others to see. And baptism is that one-time thing. It's, it's, you're, you're born again once for, for good. Uh, there's people who go through the process of what they think is uh, becoming saved. You know, you hear people, I got saved when I was eight. I got saved, but then they might tell you that, but then when I got to be 16, I realized that I really wasn't saved, and then I got saved again. You know, or they'll tell you, well, I did this, this, and this to get saved. And you know they don't really understand salvation if they're telling you the list of things they did. And the, but the preacher told me I got saved that day, and not to ever doubt it. But a real, true experience is being, you know, your soul being enlightened by the Word of God, you're hearing the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit has got to move, and the Holy Spirit must convict your soul and when those things come together, there's, there's a, a new birth. So the, the verse is, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that picture of baptism here, and going, them going into the river. They go down into the river, which is death. So the, the stones that stayed in the river that Joshua himself piled up, it doesn't say anything about anybody else doing it, but Joshua, who represents Jesus. Remember, all right, think, think about the Old Testament. as be, People have said that it's, uh, the Old Testament is God's picture book. All of the stories, the historical books, it, we, especially Genesis, and now that we're going through uh, Joshua, you can see all of these things that are happening. It's to, for you to hear these stories and, and to be able to picture all of this stuff happening. When, you, when you're listening to this being read, or you're reading it yourself, you just see the water start to stand up. And if each person was to draw out what it looks like for that water to stand up, you'd, you'd probably be surprised at how, many different, it, how, how much difference it would be from each person's perspective of what they think it would be like. And, but you see these things happening in your mind because that's what it's designed for. It, it is, the Old Testament is just type and picture, illustration, through and through. I'd say pretty much all of it, whether we notice it or not, or figure it out or not, is type and picture of something else more significant. And it's, and it's about Jesus and what He's done for us. It's about Holy Spirit going out and doing His job. It's about God the Father and what His uh, purpose is with all of this and how, how the Trinity works together to do uh, the redemption story for all human beings, making it available for everyone. And as we go through this, we're, you're going to see that every little thing, Joshua piling up these stones, Joshua himself does it, because Jesus 
just himself and only him can die for everybody. He's the one that went down in. So those, just imagine those 12 stones that Joshua piled up. Jo only Joshua could do it. No one else can participate in that one. And that's a picture of Jesus going into death for us. And when everybody has made it through, and then the priest came out of the river, then all the floodwaters come rushing back down and just overwhelm those 12 stones that are in the midst of the river. That's Jesus. Only He could die for everyone else. Okay? Now, we deserve that, that to happen to us. That's what we deserve. We should have been left in the river to die. That's what we deserved. But Jesus went there for us so that we could pass through and get up into the promised land. Jesus did that for us. So the 12 stones that are piled up in Gilgal, that represents us in resurrection coming up. Because, because of what Romans 6 says, and we're going to turn to, I'm, I'm going to read Romans 6. You can turn there if you want. And another verse that goes along with uh, Romans 6 is uh, Galatians 3.27 that says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's what Galatians 3.27 says. Now Romans chapter 6, and then of course verse 3 is the one that, that uh, is going to match up with what I just read out of Galatians. Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not, this is verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, what did I just read out of Galatians? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So what Jesus did in going to the cross, willingly going to the cross and dying on the cross, and then he is put in the grave, and then three days later he's raised up out of it. Now, if Jesus died on the cross and you are now in Christ, you, you, you have put on Christ, you're in Christ, then what he did now you have done. So if he died, that means you died. And when you go through the process or the ritual baptism, you're just showing everyone else that you mean what you said when you believed on Jesus. And in being dunked in the water, you're identifying with Christ in his death and burial and then his resurrection. So you are able to walk in newness of life only through Jesus and what he's done. If you try to live a godly life through the old man, the flesh that you were born with, and try to do good on your own and be righteous on your own, you cannot do it. You might be better than everybody else, but you're still so far short of being as good as Jesus that you're going to fail miserably in the sight of God. But if you're in Christ and God looks down on you, he can only see 
the perfect holiness of his only begotten Son. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of, of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So after believing, if you go, get into sin, then what you've done is you've, you've resurrected the old man. You've brought the old man from death. You don't want that. When the old man dies, when the old person of, you, of yourself dies, it's something you have to believe and don't try to bring him back. Let him be dead and let him stay dead. Seven, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So, that's the way we should be. We should do everything in our life should be all about living for God in his ways. Verse 11 of Romans 6 says, Likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. See, it's something we have to reckon. And in reckon, we use that kind of poorly today. Reckon sounds like, and I don't know for sure. Well, I reckon. I reckon we'll. Do. But see, in the Bible, see, we, we've messed up the word hope, and we've messed up the word reckon. Or, you know, I hope so, as in you don't know for sure. But in the Bible, hope is something you know for sure, but it's in the future sometime. It's later. It's on down the road. And reckon is an accounting term. It's, it's like, that's good enough? No, no. To reckon it means that's exactly right. It's accurate. You can't just put in what you want. You have to reckon. It is a... Uh, very accurate thing. It's got to be right. Okay, so you are supposed to reckon or account it so. You can you can make believe anything you want. You can put whatever. Like, let's say you have a checkbook. It's like you know what? I want to be a millionaire. So I'm going to reckon it to be, and I put in. I, you know, I have a million dollars, and then I start writing checks on that. How long is that going to last? But if someone who is extremely rich and I did something to save one of their kids or whatever and they want to put a million dollars in my account and they have a billion dollars and they say, hey, I put one million dollars in your account, start writing checks. Now, if I trust that person, and I believe what they said, then I can truly reckon it in the register, and I can start writing checks. That's what we got to do here. We got to believe that when Jesus said, because you've 
gone into the grave with me, and you've been raised up with me, now you can live a holy, godly life. You can do it. Well, I don't know about this Jesus guy. I mean, now that, you're not going to have that imputed righteousness uh, put in your account because you are doubting the person you should never doubt. If you trust what he says, he's like, look, I've put it in. It's there. Jesus is telling you that then you should be able to just go and cash as many checks as you can and live a godly life because he says that he has reckoned it to you. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our, our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Uh, let me get to 14. Unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Notice uh, yield, yield. It's not work yourself into this state of being. It's just yield. Uh, you'll see things like just put on like putting on a shirt. It's nothing that you have to do that's hard. It's just believing. Anybody can do it. Anybody could yield to this. Anybody can believe this. Anybody can reckon it to be so because of who's telling you, and that's Jesus. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So, that's, that's like my favorite part of the Bible. And I know I go there often, but I really like it. So, alright, back over to Joshua. So I was at nine, right, talking about Joshua setting up the 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests, which bear the ark of the covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan, of Jordan, until everything was finished. Now what did Jesus say? He's hanging on the cross. One of the last things he said, according to our Bible, says, he said, it is finished. Now, if you want to get real technical about it, he probably said one word, which means it is finished or it is accomplished. That's what it means. So Jesus probably uttered out that one word that means finished. And I just think that's interesting. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over. I think that's interesting too. That's the second time we've read that. Uh, were clean passed over. The only way you're going to be clean is to go through this process, to go through 
what I read to you in Romans chapter 6. We are corrupted, sinful, no good thing in us, but when we go through the process, we, go through, we, we believe and we go through death, burial, and resurrection, the people were clean, passed over, and the ark, so it basically, what that means is that they have made it all the way through. I just think it's interesting that they use the word clean. Clean passed over, that the ark of the, of the Lord passed over, and the priest and the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over Arn before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. Of course, we read all about that. We talked about that. We were in Deuteronomy. And uh, so these people who want to live on the other side of Jordan, they made a deal with Moses. Well, they said, look, no, we don't, we don't, we're not trying to get out of the battles, but we do want to live over here. We want to leave our families and all of our animals over here, and then we're going to go over with you. We'll fight with you. So they, they did, they're doing that. And then 13 says, about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Um, oh, something, you know, when we were, we were talking about um, all right, where was I at when I stopped? 14? So I'm getting ready to read 15. All right. When I was talking about the Old Testament being a picture book, and we got all these types, um, illustrations, all of that in this, I, there are actually people who will say that a lot of these things were just myths. You know, it was Jewish myths, and a lot of this probably really didn't happen. And they'll come up with these scientific, you know, there's no way that the Jordan could actually stop, you know, and just be a wall of water and people walk. That's just impossible. You know, the Red Sea, it really couldn't have split open. It was, uh, there was a sandbar there and people just walked across on a sandbar. They come up with all this crazy stuff to try to diminish the miracles of the Bible. So, uh, I was wanting to show you something. And this is 1 Corinthians 10. And I forgot that I wanted to read this. I should have read this a long time ago. So we, should we start all over? Okay. I'll just, I'll just uh, continue on with this. Uh, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, this is Paul in the New Testament talking to the Corinthian church. He's wrote them this letter, and he's talking about the history of Israel. They're under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, rock, that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. 
There was a reason that we have all of that in the Old Testament. And he's, he's telling us now that now, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So look at what they did. Don't do that. All right, we have the history of what they were doing, and we don't want to do what they did. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And then look what it says right after that. You know, people, well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't want to get into it. I, I don't want to tell you what it means, but the next verse tells you what, what it means. Neither let us commit fornication. So they did something that was pretty bad, and that's, when, that's, that's the story of uh, Aaron uh, making the golden calves, and Moses was up on the mountain, and they did, they did these terrible things, things they learned when they were in Egypt. So we're not supposed to do this. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Remember the fiery serpent story? Oh, that was just a made-up story. That really didn't happen. Well, why is Paul talking about it right here? Neither, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. There's multiple times where they murmured against God and bad things happened to them because of it. Now all these things, uh, here's the verse. Now all these things happened. You see it? All these things happened unto them for in samples or examples or types and pictures and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth taketh, take heed lest he fall. There ha this is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Uh, this is a memory verse for people. It's a rather long one. But there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. And now, I would love to, in, with this past Sunday being communion and I would have loved to have gotten into this next part this past Sunday, but um, just didn't have time. But the next little section right there is talking about communion. All right, so we were talking about these two memorials, these stone memorials represented something. You got what it represented in the Jordan River and what it represented up on the bank or up on the dry land in Gilgal. Think of communion. Think of the body of Jesus being broken and the blood being shed. All right, back over to Joshua 15. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony. Now it's called the ark of the testimony. There's different names for it as you go through this. 
Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up into, onto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal. All right, so that first month is significant. So um, that would be Passover month. First month would be Passover month. And this was the tenth day. That would mean they had four days before Passover. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped at Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Okay, now we, we need to be prepared as Christians when the Lord's Supper is being uh, presented, when it's on display at the church. People talk about it. As Christians, we need to be able to explain what it means to anybody who might want to ask or might wonder why do you do those things. And every one of us should understand what baptism is, what water baptism, the ritual water baptism, what it really means. It's a way to share the gospel story. And you'll be surprised, I'm not anymore, but you'll be surprised at how many people get it wrong. They don't really understand what the bread and the wine is for. They don't understand what baptism really is. And I'm talking about baptism in the water. They don't know. They think they know, and they think that by doing those things, that can get them in good favor with God, and God will receive them into heaven. Well, they're, they're living a life of a lie, and they're not going to get what they think they're getting in the future by that. We need to know those things. We need to explain to our children what these things mean, what these memorials mean. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the, the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know, see there? that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. See, that's the purpose of it. We want all the people who don't know to see it, and be convicted by it, and for them to follow, come, and be a part of the family of God. That concludes... Chapter 4, the two memorials, the two memorials, the one in the river, the one at Gilgal, the, you know, to a, to a, 
for those who believe, those people, the, the nation of Israel that, that were being taught what those things mean, when they saw them, it reminded them of those great things. But the, for those who were outside of that, what did it mean to them when they saw that in Gilgal? The little heathen boy goes, look, Daddy, it's a pile of rocks. And that's all it was. So what Jesus has done to those who don't believe doesn't mean anything to them. It's just a pile of rocks. But those who believe understand the significance of it. And we need to be the stones of witness. That's what we need to be. Think about those stones that were piled up. We need to be different. We need to stand out. We need to, when we should be losing our temper and acting out, we're calm, cool, and collective. When we should be bad-mouthing somebody, we don't, but we lift them up and pray for them. We need to be stones of witness in what Jesus has done for us, and now that we are new creatures, we believe it, therefore we're going to live it. Regardless of how we actually feel, we're going to believe what Jesus has said, and we're going to reckon it to be so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we uh, just so much enjoy reading the book of Joshua. Father, we thank you for this uh, book of pictures that we can see in our mind of all the great things that you did for your chosen people. And Father, I just pray that we would be the children of Abraham, that we would be the children of faith, and that we would accomplish all those things that you have told us that we can do all the promises, the gifts that you have given us, that we would um, believe the promises, we would take possession of those promises, and we would um, begin to work and, and be, a, be a servant to you in, in the gift that you have given each and every one of us, and that we would use those gifts to further your kingdom. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen.